So we've built all of these different communities and digital platforms where young women can get involved, can learn, can meet other women that are like them, and then can get opportunities to work with brands that help them establish a, a portfolio of work that can launch them into their careers. So you want to make an impact. You're thinking about starting a business, sharing your voice. How do women do it that handle motherhood, family, and still chase after those dreams? We'll listen each week as we dive into the stories of women who know. This is Call Me CEO. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the episode today. We are talking to Windsor Western, who is the co-owner and co-founder of Her Campus, which is a media agency for all young women entrepreneurs who are looking to share their influence, working with big brands. It's a media company that was started by Harvard students as a college project with an online magazine, and it grew into this massive business that is now 15 years running and year over year doing incredible, amazing things. So Windsor is a mother to three, and she's sharing with us the secrets that she learned along along the way in social media, building community, and also how to really connect in a way that makes a difference online. Welcome back everyone to Call Me CEO. This is your host, Camille Walker, and I'm so excited about 2024. I have amazing guests lined up for you, and it is no exception for today. We have Windsor Western, who is the co-owner and founder of Her Campus Media, which is all about bringing brands and young female entrepreneurs the lives of their dreams. But what's really cool about Windsor and her media program is that she is really good at building community, both in inline and online. I don't even know if that's a word, but she's a Harvard, a Harvard honors graduate, which I was like, go girl. And then you've also <laughs> been named like top entrepreneur, 25 under 25, 30 under 30, like every single accolade. You're so young, so beautiful and talented. And I was actually able to meet Windsor at the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, where she was a recipient of a, an award there too. So it's such an honor to meet you. I'm so excited to have you on the show with us today and to share your story. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Camille. I'm really delighted to be here. Yeah, well, oh my gosh. I when I when sh- They show little bits when you're at the Ernst & Young Awards show, which it was my first time. I don't know if you've been there before. We've been there before. Um, I've been there one time before. Okay. So for the recipients, or I should say, even for the nominees, they will show little clips of the business, what they've done, uh, a little bit of your story, what it's about. And I was so inspired by yours specifically being so female focused and also so young focused where it's actually these kids in college that have big ambitions, want to do marketing, media, online, influencing. And that is a, a place where when I was in college, that didn't exist. And that was the path that I took. I went into influencing and content creation and, oh my gosh, I would have loved to have something like that, but it wasn't a thing yet. And so I love that you took that and saw that vision at such a young age to create this environment and community for women to thrive and to grow and to share so many incredible things online. So I'm so excited to hear your story. Tell us a little bit about you. Where do you live, your family, how it got started? Like, let's get into the the weeds of it. 
Awesome. Let's do it. So uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia now uh, with my husband, Alex, and my two little girls. They're six and eight years old. Um, I'm from Western North Carolina. So from Asheville, it's in the mountains in the Western part of the state. And, um, you know, grew up, my dad's a minister, my mom's a nurse, I'm the oldest of four girls. So I've always had a lot of girls around me, a lot of female energy. Um, I went to Harvard um, for college. I got in, which was amazing. No one in my family had ever gone to an Ivy League school. That, I actually was, wanted was, to ask yeah. you that because yeah. I grew up in a small town in Utah. I never mm-hmm. heard of people going to Ivy Leagues. I had one yeah. high school colleague who went to Yale and that was like, mm-hmm. oh, that exists. Like it wasn't even, so yeah. where did that ambition come from? Were you like Harvard? Yeah. Blonde? Like, did you, what, I mean, like where did it honestly, come from? I, I mean, I, I hate admitting how much Legally Blonde had an impact on me, but it really no, I did. Think it's amazing. <laughs> yes. I was upset. I thought Reese Witherspoon. I mean, she is just incredible, and Legally Bond is one of my favorite movies. And just the way that she was so feminine and fun, and so powerful, and so smart, and was like, "What? Like it's hard. Like I can get into Harvard. I can do this." And I was like, "I can go to Harvard." And um, I I mean, I worked really hard. I was a valedictorian in my high school class and president of every club I could get my hands on. But I, you know, and I took. I studied very, very hard for the SAT and, and everything. Um, so it wasn't, you know, an easy get obviously, but it was right. something that I was like, you know what, like, why not? Like, why, why couldn't I go there? Why, why couldn't that be my story? And so I got, my dad took me up and I toured the campus and I was like, I'm going to go here one day. And then I cool. got in, which was amazing. And so cool. my husband, um, I met him at Harvard and I also met my business partners at Harvard. So getting into this school and getting in this environment was something that i you know, no one that I know, I've never known anyone that went to Harvard. Um, and it just opened up this whole new world for me. And you know, my husband's from Atlanta, no one in his family, you know, my, his dad went to community college in Florida, his mom did not go to college, and they're just the biggest supporters. And so it's been a really amazing thing for both of us. We met there, we're the same age, same, you know, year, and we just, we just clicked. And at the same time, I met these two other women, Stephanie, Kaplan and Annie Wang. And the three of us were just running Harvard's women's publication. It was fun. Um, I was pre-med. Stephanie was going to go to law school. Annie was a an art and animation major. And this was just like a fun extracurricular. Let's take over Harvard's women's magazine. What we realized is that most colleges and universities had a school newspaper. Very few had a women's magazine on campus, right? Mm. And this was the early days. This was like 2008. And so we moved the magazine online, which online magazines looked so different then than they do now. It was like totally like an online magazine. The way people thought about it was a mag, like a magazine format. It looked like a flip book and you would turn Mm. the pages on the website. You would like click and the the page would go, and it would open up. It was the funniest thing. Um, we didn't build it that way. We built it in a more kind of standard format that you see today. But we put this online magazine for college women by college women online. And we're sharing it on Facebook, which is only college students at the time. Very different from today. And our mm-hmm. friends at other schools were like, this is amazing. Can you help us build a website? Can you help us put a magazine together? And the idea for hercampus.com was born. So we entered Harvard College's business plan competition with the idea of an online magazine platform by college women for college women, where any woman could start her own magazine on campus, um, could build her own team, could get incredible experience that would then launch her into a lot of different career paths. 
we won the business plan competition and launched the website in the fall of our senior year. Wow. With Stephanie in my senior year, Annie was a junior. So um, this is year, what year are we now? 2010? Two, this is 2009 into okay. 2010. I graduated in 2010. Um, and so we built it, finished our classes and we're like, this is really fun. This is working really well. Uh, we let any woman start her own chapter. So it's almost like a professional journalism sorority, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Like groups of women on college campuses coming together around a theme. All these women are really interested in journalism and communications and wanted to work for Vogue one day, right? So how do you get that experience on campus? So by the time we graduated, there were 25 campus chapters around the country. And our thinking was, what if we just don't get real jobs for a year? Wouldn't that be fun? Why don't we just do this for a year and not get real jobs? And then we'll figure out what we're going to do. Uh, jokes on us, because that was 15 years ago. So we're wow. all, uh, the three of us are 35 years old now. Uh, we're all equal owners in the business. We have revenue funded the business, meaning we never raise outside money. We don't have any debt. We, the old, I like saying it's we ran our business the old fashioned way where you spend the money that you've made, right? And you mm -hmm. make more money than you spend. Um, and you really keep things in check. And so we've run a profitable revenue self-funded business for almost 15 years now. We now have about 85 employees. We have five brands under the Hercambus Media umbrella. And we last year activated 14,000 content creators and a thousand student organizations on behalf of brands. We distributed wow. 550,000 samples. Um, and we generated 530 million content impressions um, across wow. our platform. So, so it's just cool. been this like really cool journey where we're now in, we still have hercampus.com, that's our flagship. So that's why we're called Hercampus Media. But we've expanded really with that core of how do we provide opportunities for young women? Young women are, I mean, women in general, I'm so passionate about women. Mm -hmm. Women are incredible. Women are ambitious. Women are organized. And I mean, women are absolutely going to take over the world. And we are, <laughs> we are, we still have a long ways to go towards parity, but we're absolutely going to take over the world. And you give a college woman an opportunity, you give her a platform and she's just going to run with it. So we've built all of these different communities and digital platforms where young women can get involved, can learn, can meet other women that are like them, and then can get opportunities to work with brands that help them establish a, a portfolio of work that can launch them into their careers. Wow. Yay. That is so Yay. cool. I <laughs> love you. hearing these origin stories of where it came from a need, but also a passion of wouldn't this be fun if like, let's just try yeah. this. And then yeah. it, it's legit. And you're like, wait, mm -hmm. this is really cool. Oh, it's working. Like, that is, wow. Yes, filling yeah. a need. I'm curious to hear as far as revenue, when you were first starting out, is there a membership <laughs> fee or how were, yeah. how are you monetizing and how did that evolve as your business grew? a great question. So we have maintained that all of our services and offerings should be free for the, the young women who are, you know, participating. We don't ever want um, a fee for, or, you know, any sort of membership uh, to prevent them from getting involved. So it's always been free for the college students. I, I look back and I say, if I could have picked any group, any demographic that is going to be incredibly attractive for advertisers and brand marketers, it would have been women 18 to 24. It mm -hmm. just so happened that that was the group that I was in. That was who I wanted to create content for. So the overlap between this is the group that we're focusing on and then realizing, oh my gosh, 
women 18 to 24 are one of the most important customer segments for brand marketers. And they're one of the most difficult to access because young mm -hmm. people are always on the cutting edge of technology. Mm -hmm. Young people are the first to adopt new apps. They're the first to figure out new ways of talking to each other. They're going to be the smartest about that doesn't pass the sniff test. I don't believe you. I don't trust that. Right. Very skeptical, um, really challenging norms. And so it's very hard to get in front of them. It's very hard to get in front of them in the right way. Yeah. It's hard to get them to pay attention and it's hard to influence them and to change their minds or to get them to think about you as a brand. At the same time, women drive 85% of all consumer spending. Mm -hmm. I recently read this, that for products marketed towards men, half of all products marketed towards men are purchased by women in the United <laughs> States, yeah. right? Which makes sense. Um, and women are driving and influencing 85 of all consumer spending in the household, right? So for brand marketers, getting to women is important. Getting to women when they're young, when they're brand new adults, they're establishing a lot of their own brand preferences, mm -hmm. right? Is absolutely vital. And so we found and created this group based on a passion for that audience, based on a passion for young women and providing opportunities for young women. It just so happened to be an exact overlap with one of the most attractive and difficult to access groups. So going back to your question of how do you make money? What's the revenue model, right? So the revenue model is marketing and advertising services that help brands stay relevant with the next generation of female consumers. So that has evolved over time. Uh, and we do a lot of different clients or a lot of different client campaigns. Um, I can tell you my very first marketing campaign that I ever did. And this is fine. Sometimes people are like, how did you get started? And how yeah. do you get brands to pay attention to you? Uh, I love this story. So this was 2009 when we launched, launched the website. So thanks. It was summer 2008 going into 2009. And, um, I, had this idea that I really wanted to get a big brand name client, sorry, summer 2009, a big brand name client who would really give all the other brands that FOMO, right? That, oh my gosh, that brand is participating. Well, if that brand trusts them, I better get involved too. It's kind of like that fake it till you make it, right? If you mm -hmm. can get somebody in, no one else is going to know how much they paid you. No one else is going to know what the part, what the contract looks like. They're going to know that brand trusts them. So that means I can trust them too. Oh, yeah. Right? That's huge. Right. That credibility. So 2009, the number one fashion brand I could think of was Juicy Couture. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> right? yes. just really the sweatpants and the, and the perfume. Yes. Velour, the velour, yeah, the velour. Uh -huh. and the perfume and everything. This was like, um, this peak peak Paris Hilton, Juicy Couture era. So I had a mentor who ran a sales team and she had this software that had contact info for anybody you could possibly want. Very, very expensive software. And as a parting gift from a little internship I did, she said, I'll give you one person's contact info. Who do you want? Oh my I gosh. said, I want the head of marketing for Juicy Couture. That's who I want. And she gave me her email address and her phone number. When I tell you, I probably emailed her 15 times with thoughtful, long, like very well-crafted, kind emails, called her every week, left voicemails, talked to her assistant. I think I just wore her down where she was like, this woman is not going to go away <laughs> until I take a call from her. Uh, 
so I will, I'll never forget. I was at, my mom has a small farm in Western North Carolina and I was home and I get a phone call and it's the head of marketing for Juicy Couture. And she has this, she's British, she has this British accent. And I was like, <gasps> so I run up to my bedroom. I'm talking to her. I'm pretending like, I'm like, I'm in an office in New York city. I'm in a skyscraper. I have a big <laughs> business, like in my head, like that's yeah. my mindset. Yes. My mom's rooster climbs up on the roof and starts crowing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Outside of the window. I To this day, I don't know if she heard it. I just pretended like it wasn't happening. Roosters don't crow in the middle of the day. I was like, what is happening? But but yeah, she. Uh, I convinced her to sign on. She gave me $1,500 for a six-month program, oh, wow. which I was thrilled. At this time, I was like, I made it. Yes. Um, but we just started doing brand marketing programs. So before I graduated, I we got in with New Balance and the Body Shop as well. And really, we just were very, very lean with all of our expenses. We It was kind of like, you know, eat what you kill. We paid ourselves when we could. We all came up with really creative ways um, to get by that kind of like ramen entrepreneurs lifestyle. We got free office space. I mean, the first year we were college students, we were doing this while we were studying, which really helped us get our start. But it really was just listening to brands, hearing, getting in the room with the right person is the hardest part. Once you're there, hearing why do you want to get in front of young women? What are, what are your goals, right? What products are you trying to market? What do young women think about your brands right now? How would you like to change that perception? And then creating these custom marketing programs for them that help them fit those needs. Wow. Okay. So I am thinking about anyone who's listening to this right now and has ever tried to appeal to a brand they want to work with or a company. And I love that you were so, you were just eye on the prize that you were emailing and calling and just being persistent. And on top of that, is that something that you, I mean, that was your very first, I guess, big launch into this space. Did you have Mm -hmm. to keep being as persistent or how did that change as more people signed on? How did you continue to rise? So part of entrepreneurship is rejection. Mm -hmm. Part of sales is rejection. Like You, if you are going to go into entrepreneurship, you're going to have to figure out sales in one way or another, right? You're going to have to figure out, and that's pitching and that's getting people on board and getting them aligned with what, what you want, what you need. And so you really have to have thick skin and, you know, let water, like a water off a duck's back, things just have to roll off of you. And so I think the biggest thing to remember is that it's, none of it is personal, Right. This person is not reading this email and saying, I don't like Windsor. And that's why I'm not going to reply to her email. They are busy. Their plates are full. Their agendas are stacked. And you are something new coming in. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to just say no to all the new stuff because they're busy and they have so many things going on. So biggest thing that, you know, when I, we have a great sales team now, her campus media, great partnerships team. Anytime someone is ignoring you, it's not personal. Don't let it hurt your feelings and do not get catty or mean as you're responding to that. Well, I guess you just decided to ignore. No, they didn't decide anything. They're busy and you're coming in and they don't have enough context to understand who you are. So the first thing is it's not personal. And second thing is rejection is just part of the game. And even you may think I have the best solution. And there are so many reasons why it might not be the right time. Maybe it is the perfect solution. Maybe it would be the best decision ever for them to to do that. But 
there's some big other initiative that their boss has said, this is number one priority. You can't do anything new. You can't focus on anything else. There's so many things happening behind the scenes, but I do think persistence pays off. You cannot let rejection hurt your feelings. You cannot let rejection get you down, right? And being very focused and knowing what you want is going to be key to being successful. You have to be very clear on what you want and clear on your plan of attack to get there. There are so many tools that we have available to us now. The internet has been the most amazing equalizer of opportunity mm -hmm. because people are more accessible than ever before. You can find them on LinkedIn. You can find people sometimes on Instagram. You can find people on TikTok. Maybe you find them on Twitter slash X. Um, you can find them on all these different social platforms. People have personal websites. Maybe they have a blog. Maybe they're involved in different groups or nonprofits. If you're really focused on getting a brand on board, it's finding who the right people are, who the decision makers are. A warm referral goes such a long way. So anyone that's a you know second degree connection, um, mapping those out, but it's really about being clear about who you want to get in front of, knowing what you're offering. Um, when trying to bring partnerships together, I had a sales coach that this is something that has really stuck with me. It was equal V's. She said that sometimes when you go into sales, you think the money is the value. The big V is in terms of value, right? Think of the, the size of the V is how much value someone's bringing to the equation. So the money, oh, I just need to get the money to power my business, right? So they have more value. I'm trying to sell. I'm just this little person. I have a little bit of value here. Please, can you give me your money? Because I have a little bit of value. I'm a little V and you're a big V. She's like, in sales, it's equal Vs. The value that you're providing is a service that they need. If they don't need it, they won't buy it, right? Mm -hmm. So, but if they need it, it's worth the money that they that they give you for that, right? So it's not a, please help me, please do this, do me a favor. No, it's, hey, I have something really amazing. I wanna tell you about it. And I wanna tell you why it'll benefit you, right? Why it's worth this investment from your side. And just that mindset of I'm worthy of what I'm asking for. The people that I'm asking, it's an equal value exchange that's going on here. Otherwise they won't participate, shifts the mindset because mm -hmm. sales and I'm going on a tangent now, but sales gets a bad rep. People think sales is slimy and gross and sales is powerful. All of the top CEOs of the biggest companies in one way or another are salespeople, right? Oh, yes. They're, they're either selling to investors or they're selling to the press or they're actually selling to different partners, but it's all about communication and charisma and convincing people that your vision is something worth getting on board with and listening to. So that was a really long answer. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, I, just, like, I loved it. <laughs> Already I'm like, okay, take a note for that. Take a note for that. Because I love that you talk about the Vs. I think that is so helpful because I think a lot of times when, especially when we're new to a situation or a position, we think that we are lesser than. And I love that you yeah. talk about the value of the exchange and what it is yeah. that you're bringing to the table. So whether it's yeah. a service, a product, any kind of value, it yeah. is on equal playing field, but you have to be willing to open your mouth and yeah. say what it is and why. Hey, did you hear the news? 
60 days to VA is no longer something you have to wait for to enroll. I'm actually starting to bring on students one by one. It's a very personal interaction where I do a discovery call with you to see if 60 days to VA is a good fit for you. Because in the end, on the flip side of things, I'm starting to do matchmaking with CEOs who are looking to hire virtual assistants. So if that's something that you feel like is a good fit for you, you want to become your own boss and start a business that you can do on your terms and with your schedule so you can spend that purposeful time with your kids, reach out to me. You can book your time at CamilleWalker.co or you can DM me at CamilleWalker.co or call me CEO podcast and we can set up a time to chat. I can't wait to talk with you. Right. And also be respectful. I think that the other thing that, and I don't want it to get you know, misinterpreted, there's a difference between providing equal value and an equal value exchange and then being entitled mm, above yeah. kind of where you should be. So sometimes, I think, and that's where nothing will turn someone off more than you assume. And this is where it comes like sales and, and you're trying to get a partnership. You're trying to get a new, a new sponsor, a new partner, something that you, you're like, I just want to do this thing with this person. And that would really take my business to the next level. And again, they ignore you or they say not the right time, right? If that becomes in your mind, this is negative. They're being mean. I'm going to come back and get them. I'm going to show them. There's no quicker way to ruin a potential partnership, right? Mm -hmm. I get a rude email from some, like, and again, I maybe have ignored your email five or six times. It's not a reflection on who you are. It's not, you may be the, the best thing ever for me, but where my time is going, where my priorities are right now, I'm not open to new things right now for whatever reason. If one of those emails start to turn and start to get nasty or start to get catty, well, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Then I'm like, I'm crossing that person off. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but this seems dramatic and messy and I'm not going to engage at all. So the other thing with those 15 emails that I sent to the head of marketing, if you seek to each one, provided value. Each one was something interesting in the news. I was doing research on Juicy Couture, research on what college students were wearing. Hey, I did, you know, I was looking at this and I saw that this other brand is doing this really cool thing. It may be something Juicy wants to think about, right? It was each email was valuable as a standalone and each email was thoughtful and each email was kind and patient and clear on what my specific ask was. So if she opened any one of those, they could stand on their own. And then each one had an opportunity for us to connect uh, without any sort of baggage, ah. even though it took me 15 emails to get there. Oh my gosh. I love that. And was that something you came up with on your own or did you have a professor saying, make sure it has value, make sure that you're, you have a clear ask. Like, did you, yeah, the, that formula? The, my, my mentors had been in sales and, and publishing. And, and that was something that they had taught me is that like, mm -hmm. just sending again, there's so much noise. Everyone is so busy. Mm -hmm. And this thing with business, business is competition, right? Yep. There, oh, for sure. There's, there's originality. Yes. But there's also competition. And there are probably a lot of other people doing something very much like what you're doing out there. So it's, how can you be better at it? How can you be more persistent? How can you be clearer? And so really that clarity of communication, that persistence, that just, um, yeah, providing that value really sets people apart and it's not hard to do. It just takes a little bit of time um, yeah. and brain space and focus. 
Yeah, so clever. Well, obviously one of your biggest assets you had going was building this incredible community. And yeah. I think more than anything, people now are trying to figure out how to get attention, how to build a community when mm-hmm. there's so much online noise and competition. Yep. What would you say to that for building community in 2024, where the landscape is different than it was oh, back yeah. in 2009 Yeah, and in some ways a lot harder and some ways easier, there's more access. So what would yep. you suggest to someone who's starting out fresh and wanting to build that community? Yep. So I think it's being very clear about who your customer is and who your customer is not and who you are trying to talk to. Um, who your customer is and who your audience is in terms of social media should overlap if you want to use social media for business purposes, right? Mm-hmm. And I bring up social media because social media is one of the easiest ways to build a community around you and around your brand. So if you decide, you know, you mentioned that this podcast is for moms who either have started a business or want to start a business, that's clarity, right? You know, this is who my community is. You know who I'm talking to. You use that audience as your lens of, I want to create content for them. When we were thinking about our different brands, about College Fashionista and Her Campus and Spoon University, uh, the Influencer Collective, Campus Trendsetters, we have all these different communities. We had to be very clear about what do we care about with each one? What's the personality type for the brand? And then who is the specific audience? If you're trying to be everything for everyone, you're not going to be anything for anyone mm-hmm. because no one will care. If you're too broad, if you're too generic, if you're too vanilla, too middle of the road, it's not going to be meaningful. It's not going to be impactful. People are not going to say, yes, yes, that's for me. This, this is for me, right? So it's really about clarity of, again, who are your, who's your customer? Who's your audience? Who are you creating this business for? And then being very centered on that because it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to go in a bunch of different ways. Um, Then there are ways to bring that to life in person. There are ways to bring that to life online and in closed forums. There's an app called Geneva um, that took the best parts of Facebook groups and just put them together, but they're closed. If you go on Geneva as an app and you don't have a group to join there's not much to see there's there's nothing there because you have to but if you are invited in a group or you have something that you're going for it's only those people and there's no noise and there's nothing else so it's a great like closed social media and there are a lot of different options that's just one that we use but I like that. um the power has really for us and the way that we've grown the business been really being clear about who our audience is who our community is it's young women right college women and then within that, we have, we've now grown where we have all of these different groups, but, but yeah, being clear, being centered, being focused on them, um, not getting distracted until you really feel like, yep, I've maximized this group. Cause there's so many people in the world and there's so much opportunity. And I really think you'll get a lot farther if you're super specific and laser focused on this is who I'm going after. And it doesn't have to be all people that are the same. It could be people who really love, and this is a very random example. I don't know why this came to mind, who really love organic cashews, right? Like again, maybe you're an organic cashew chef person and you make cashew-based products. You just want anybody and everybody, but you're going to do all your content is going to be about cashews 
and people who love cashews will find you and they'll be super focused there. So it's a really community is about like being focused and then being a leader and a voice that matters within that group, within that audience space. It's another way to think about customers, but I think it's a deeper level and it's about connection versus transaction because transaction is you're going to buy something from me and then you're going to use that product and that's it. That's more of a traditional customer and a transaction-based relationship. If you have a true relationship with someone, maybe they're buying things from you, but the packaging is thoughtful. The follow-ups are thoughtful. The way they engage with you on social is really thoughtful. They're staying engaged and then they're going to be more loyal customers. So, um, and then it becomes part of their, you know, identity. They're part of this group and it, it makes their life better. So I think there's a big opportunity with, with business owners to, to lean into community as a lens for customer growth and development. Mm, I like that. One of the questions I get often, in fact, I just got this question this week was from a young mother Mm -hmm. who she is an esthetician trying to build up her clientele. And she said, I hate my own voice on my videos, or I hate Mm -hmm. using my likeness, like, you know, just that insecurity, which all of us all of us can relate to that at one point or another, you know, having lack of confidence, whether it's in our voice or not knowing the videos to make or the things to say and having a voice and coming forward with confidence is a big part of having influence and making a change and building these communities. So Mm -hmm. when you're counseling your young entrepreneurs, how do you help instill that confidence for them to use their voice and to create community that way? Yeah. I mean, there are so many different ways. So I, I really hate when I, I hear that. And I think it's, it's been hard. So the, the dark side of, of social media is it puts this lens um, up where you, people are always comparing themselves to each mm-hmm. other, right? Yep. Comparison is the thief of, thief of joy and a comparison mindset is a very unhealthy mindset. Um, it can make people horribly insecure, right? And I think that that social media really exacerbates that. I think it's really hard because there's so many filters and ways for things to look, filters and editing and ways for things to look so perfect. And they're really not that perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to just remind ourselves that there's a very specific lens that people are using. I mean, you have teenage girls, and that's a whole other conversation, using, you know, apps to morph the shape of their bodies before they're posting pictures, even videos online, you can change the shape of your body in a bikini in a video before you post it online and make yourself taller and whatever you want to do to enhance the shape um, or change the shape. And it's, it's not real, right? So I think that's, that's one thing. It's not real, but there are the, so that's part of it. The other part is there's so many pockets. I, I like to think about social media as it is a really wonderful and powerful tool, but it can be dangerous and you have to know how to use it correctly. So it's almost like a car in that way. You don't let a child drive a car, right? Even a teen, you have to teach them how to do it. An adult has to be in the car teaching them before they can go out and do it on their own. And I think even as adults, we're entering the internet and social media with different levels of experience and different lenses and the the amount of content you can get funneled into these places that can be very very negative so the first thing I would say is from a 
personality perspective, it can be hard to say, why, why would I be the one that is worthy of listening to, right? Like, why would I, and I would ask her to ask her customers. She has customers. She wants to grow it. Her customers that enjoy her services and going to her, why do you come to me? Just tell me, what is it? What is it about? What is it about me that you really like? What is it about me? And that might be a kind of a weird conversation, but just say, can I ask you, I'll give you a free service if I can ask you a lot of questions about it, right? Again, the value exchange, Mm -hmm. they don't feel like they're doing you a favor or whatever. And then really listen to those customers, really listen to those people. And she may be surprised. They may say like, oh, when you talk to me during my services, it's so relaxing. And I just feel like we have the best connection. And then she should go on and talk and be like your friend right? And that can be her thing. Or maybe it's, oh, you're so knowledgeable and you know about all the ingredients. And I love that you, I really feel like you're an expert and you know so many things and I love learning from you. Great. It's about that. Like whatever it is, that's already working with your business, lean into that. And that the social media should be an extension of who you actually are and the way that you show up in person. It shouldn't be this fake other reality and other self. Sure. You're going to come in and it's going to be somewhat edited, right? Because you're choosing what to put up there. But the the best way to do it is just to make it an extension of who you are. And in terms of content formats, if you don't want to do videos where you're talking like this into your camera, don't do that. You can film if your customers will let you film them. Great. If it's about the products that you're using, do that, right? Like you can, you don't even have to talk if you don't want to, you can type your things, right? And it'll go over music and you can have the text. Like there are lots of different content formats. So I also don't think if you're like, I don't want to get on camera with my phone like this and talk. That's awkward for me. There are other ways to create content and build your business online um, and other ways and just look and, and honestly, different content formats might get a little bit more attention. It might be more successful. Mm, That's really good advice. I like that. It's really about leaning into your strengths and also being adaptive to so many different formats. I think it's interesting having built and done, you know, content creation for over 10 years. Some people, you know, people that are listening now to the podcast are not necessarily the same people who are on Pinterest pinning Mm -hmm. my recipes that have been there for over 10 years, or those people aren't the same ones who are on TikTok watching short video. I think that each of us has ways of consuming content. And there are people who are going to want to consume the way that you feel best creating and really leaning into that. And I think that there's strength in that and knowing that you have something and it's really, I love that you said, ask your current clients what they love and lean into that, like make more of that. What do you think is the best way for people to show up authentically if they're feeling um, like, I guess I could ask you personally or for people that you've talked to within your community. But if you get into that funk, a creative slump, let's say, of Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do next, or maybe feeling overwhelmed, that's a question that comes a lot up a lot in the community too, is how do I get out of that slump of feeling uncreative or not knowing how to get back into the group? Yeah. Something that I think people ignore, don't think about, it's okay to repost old videos and repost old content, Mm -hmm. right? If it was something you did a year ago or two years ago that you loved it and you watch it again and you're like, I'm still really proud of that. Or something you did a few years ago and you're like, I can't believe I did this. Right. You (laughs) can say, you can talk about you've grown. I have grown like, Hey guys, like I'm posting this old video and I just wanted to share this because 
I watch this and I can't believe how much I've grown since then. And I'm so proud of myself because I've grown in all these ways or it's, this was awesome. It was awesome. Then it's still awesome. Now, like you can recycle your own content and that's okay. I think people think sometimes people are going to their profiles and watching all of their content, watching all their videos and reading everything they wrote. They're absolutely not. No one is doing that. No one is going to your feed and reading and watching all of your stuff. In fact, it's a strategy to look into what's working and do like eight different versions of that. So if you have a piece of content, a story that pops, that works really, really well, and you're really trying to use social media for business, for, for influencing, for content creation, make five versions of that same. Is it a story? Did it really inspire people? Is it a you know funny thing that you're doing? Is it a day in the life? Is it a whatever it is? People, is it a recipe? Is it whatever? People really love this chocolate chip recipe. Great. Do it with Christmas music in the background. Do it with Easter music in the background. Do it where it's got funny little bouncy things. Put different filters on it. Like do this because the people are looking at their feed. If they really care about you a lot, like your closest friends are going to go to your profile and click on your profile or someone's looking you up, but they're just going to see, oh, this is a theme. This is something that they really care about, right? So it's okay to recycle like your best work. Um, be inspired by yourself, I would say, or find it just scrolling endlessly is not going to get you anywhere. Endless scrolling without a purpose is not going to inspire you. It's not going to make you feel better. You're not even going to remember what you watched or what you looked at. So also, if you have a group of people that do really inspire you, go spend time, do that thing I just said no one will do to you. Look at all their videos, look at all their content, look at what they're doing and see if any of that gives you an idea. Mm. And then the other thing is don't be, don't worry about being perfect with everything. If you do something and then the next day you're like, I don't like that. You can just take it down or you can just archive it and it's fine. It's no big deal. No one's, no one is thinking, no one is thinking about you nearly, no one's thinking about you at all. You want them to think about you. That's the thing. Like you want you want people, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, you want people to be thinking about you. But if you're not putting yourself out there, no one's like, man, you know, I haven't seen a video from Camille yet today. Or did she post two chocolate chip recipes last week? No one is thinking that, right? So just like you can remove that pressure off of yourself and, uh, and just play and have a little bit of fun with it. I love it. Well, one question I want to ask as we're finishing up here is, looking back at this amazing business that you've built and how many lives you've been able to impact, what is a lesson that you've learned that looking back, whether it was something that went really well or something that didn't go well, what is a piece of that that you could share with us moving forward? Mm. Oh my gosh. So many good lessons. Um, so in terms of things that I think have gone well, um, here's, here's, this is both answer to both. So COVID was a really interesting time for the world, right? Uh, everyone has COVID stories. Everyone has, oh my gosh, this is where I was. This is what I remember the most about COVID from a business perspective. We were really big in in-person events and experiences for brands. And that was a big chunk of our business. And we were, we had built this mobile beauty salon that would park and then kind of open up and it was amazing for Two Faced Cosmetics which is owned by 
Estee Lauder um, and it was built. We'd spent so much money building it and it was ready to go. And we were going to be at the University of Southern California in UCLA in March of 2020. And it was ready to go. And at first, when this all started happening, we started looking for hand sanitizer. Like we thought, we're just going to put some hand sanitizer. We should just get some hand sanitizer in the salon and it'll be fine. And then we couldn't find hand sanitizer. And we're like, that's weird, right? Like, why can't we find hand sanitizer on the internet? And then it's, so we lost a lot of business that year and the business shrank. Uh, It was our only year we've ever gone down in revenue year over year. Everyone went on a raise freeze and hiring freeze. And we had to let some people go because we couldn't have, we couldn't keep the lights on otherwise. And it was a really, really scary, painful time for the business. And I felt so much guilt. Like I should be able to keep everyone's jobs and I should be able to do all these things. But there were just things outside of everyone's control and outside of my control. And it was really, really hard. Um, I was talking to mentors and trying to figure out what I should do. And one of my mentors said, you know, it sounds terrible to say right now, but never waste a crisis. Wise people have said, I don't remember who originally said it, never waste a crisis. And I was like, how are you saying this right now to me? I just laid people off and my business is struggling. And like, I've worked so hard for so long to build this. And like, I'm scared. And they were like, never waste a crisis. Just think, what could we do? And we just started looking and thinking and talking. And one of our interns said, was crying on a, on a call and everything was on video, of course. And we're like, what's going on? And she said, I just learned college graduation got canceled. Like, I'm not going to have a, I'm not, I'm going to graduate, but I don't get a graduation. There's no cap and gown. Like I'm, I don't, and I'm really upset. This is a big deal for me. And I was really looking forward to this. And we came and we were like, wait, we should do something. We should, we should do something in this space. And we came up with the idea for a virtual graduation ceremony for the class of 2020 we didn't even know what that meant we were like we're gonna do it and we started emailing anybody and everybody we knew and we wound up getting connected with celebrities PR firms and inviting them to do commencement speeches for the class of 2020 and we wound up with six hours of celebrity commencement speeches like Eva Longoria and the Jonas Brothers and Brooke Baldwin, who's one of the hosts on CNN. And I mean, it was, and then students did speeches and they performed and they sang and they danced and everyone just submitted all these videos. We wound up with six hours of content that we streamed and we had a million people tune in. And we got sponsorships that saved the company. And the lesson there is that in your darkest moments where you're like, the business is falling apart, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. If you can, yes, take the time to grieve. This is horrible. I'm so upset. I did let those people go. I'm so upset that we lost all that business. I'm so upset. I'm so scared. Process that. And then open your eyes and look around. There are always opportunities and always new ways to go. And then it might become a new big thing, a new expansion for you. And since then, since COVID, the business was kind of plodding along like this. And we had this like dip and like reconfiguration. And then it's just taken off since then. So again, 
never waste a crisis sounds horrible to say, but I think that that some really bright spots can come out of the darkest moments. Wow, that is so cool. That is so innovative that you thought of that idea, especially that was such a hard time for so many missing out on high school yeah. and college graduations and to make, to reverse that and say, let's, let's celebrate this in our own way. Mm -hmm. I love that story so much. Thanks. Okay. Thank one last so question I asked yeah. everyone is what are you reading or listening or watching mm. that you love like a top three? Cause we have yeah. obviously people that love listening to podcasts here. So what are some of the things that you're loving? And it doesn't have to be currently, maybe it's a favorite, you know, yeah. from your life. So being a social media and digital media, you know, junkie and someone who's been in this world, it, I think the history of the last 15 years of the internet we've all been living it. So there are now these new books that have just come out and it's so interesting to think about. So one, there's a book called Traffic that is very specific to the digital media industry. It's by Ben Smith. And it is really about the rise and fall of BuzzFeed. Like BuzzFeed was the biggest thing ever for a while. And now BuzzFeed has just completely fallen apart. So Traffic by Ben Smith. There's a book called Extremely Online by Taylor Lorenz, and it's about the history of social media. And you're just hearing about like when each one launched and why it launched and then how it was used by content creators in particular and influencers and like the rise and the boom of the, the influencer industry is really, really interesting. Um, and then the third one that I'm listening to right now, I'm going to look, pull it up the name. Um, and those two I'm listening to, they're audiobooks I'm listening on Audible. And then this one I'm listening to on Spotify. There's now audiobooks on Spotify and podcasts on Spotify, which is great. It's called No Filter. And it's the inside story of Instagram by Sarah Fryer. And it's the whole history of Instagram. So it, it's, again, it, they might sound dry, like old business history books, but because we've all lived it for the last 10 years, it's so interesting to just the stories behind how this all happened. So oh, that's what I'm, I'm excited. Right yeah, now. I want to check those it's out really for good. sure. Oh, good. Yeah, they're really that. good. What do you think's up and coming for social media? See, TikTok has been really, really, um, I think that right now there's going to be a lot of, with AI converging with misinformation mm -hmm. and the TikTok Gification of like propaganda, I think that it's going to be really interesting to watch what controls the social media companies put on content ahead of the election this year. Mm -hmm. um, I just saw a thing where Facebook now, the same way that after, I think it was in 2020, they started having to, in order to buy ads for anything political, you had to like be a US based company and you had to register your company and like the name of the company buying the ads shows up in the ads and people can click in it. And that was a protection that they did. Now, if anything has been edited using like digitally edited, like AI edited videos, or if it's written by AI or, or the photos have been edited and changed, that has to be disclosed somehow. And I don't know how they're checking for that. But I think it's going to be a lot of controls because the deep fakes, I mean, it's really wild and scary oh and, I know. you know, like you can't, you won't, you won't know what's real and what's not and who is actually saying what, if you're just looking at it online. So 
I think it's going to be really interesting to see how, and it's, a, and that's a, an existential threat for the social media platforms themselves, because if people stop trusting them, mm. people are smart fundamentally, right? Like consumers are smart. People are smart. The users on all these platforms, we're all smart, right? Not all of us, most of us are smart. <laughs> and, and people are going to be very thoughtful about what they are consuming. And if they think this is bogus, this is not good. I cannot trust this. They're going to go somewhere else where there mm. is content that they can trust. Right. Um, so it, it's going to be, I'm really paying attention to that. It's going to be really interesting to watch. Ooh, I know. I know. I just watched the videos they make with like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and it looks like them and they're singing and it sounds like them. And I'm like, this is so weird. And it's, it's so gotta weird. be weird for them being, I mean, they're, they're used to seeing their likeness, but mm-hmm. it's just like you said, what can you really trust? What's real? Cause they're just making everything look so real. I mean, yeah. obviously with that, we know that's not real, but I really hope for my kids sake that they are yeah. smart and they can decipher. And there is a way to know because that is a threat to our intelligence, you know, mm-hmm. like what right. we're dealing yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your insights. You are so smart. I'm so glad Reese inspired you (laughs) with your journey, like all the way back then. So you must have loved having her at the Ernst & Young. Did did you get to meet her? No, I didn't get to meet her, but she's amazing. She's incredible. And just what she's done with Hello Sunshine and just her focus on changing the narrative for women and just getting more female directors telling women's stories has just been like, Oh, incredible. I just, I, I look up to her, I admire her as, as an actor, as a mother, as an entrepreneur. Um, she's just amazing. So smart. I know it's kind of cool seeing that actor portrayal that she had and then having it in, in real life that it is for real. Yeah. That she really is yeah. passionate and fun and bubbly and female and brilliant, you know, yeah. that those can coincide. Yeah. And just like you, you, portray that in real life too. And so I think that that's really powerful and I'm grateful for your example and for coming on the show. So thank you again so much. Thank you for having me. I really cannot wait to watch and listen and broadcast your show and help help other people find it too. Well, please tell our audience where they can find you, young female entrepreneurs who are interested, how they can find you as well. Yeah, so you can follow me personally on Instagram. I'm at Windsor Western. Or you can follow Her Campus Media or hercampusmedia.com or Her Campus on all social platforms. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link those below and the books that we reference as well. So, all right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Every single week, we are sharing new inspiring stories. Any subscribe, like, or rating on this podcast really helps. So if you could do that, please do so share with some ambitious women that you think could benefit from these stories. And if you would like to be on this show, you can apply at camillewalker.co where we can talk about what you could share in your story and your journey and what you're hoping to achieve. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode, and I will see you next time. Hey, CEOs, thank you so much for spending your time with me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, please let me know in a comment and a five-star review. 
you could have the chance of being a featured review on an upcoming episode. Continue the conversation on Instagram at Call Me CEO Podcast. And remember, you are the boss.